0: Love, ha. exciting and new, it's the Bankadelic episode for Valentine's Day, 2022,
1: oh yeah!
0: <laughs> oh boy, don't quit your day job, Lou. But what if you love your day job? That's what we're here to talk about, banking fintech, all things financial services in 2022, and why we love them, why we love the work that we do, why we are passionate about it when we could be doing so many other things during our working lives. And to lead that discussion here on the Bankadelic Valentine's Day extravaganza, our second annual we have a wonderful group of guests. I'm gonna introduce them very quickly and we will get on to the heartwarming icebreaker, if you will. From Lender Close, we have CTO Martina Schubert from Quantalytics. Will Bryant, who is the co-founder. From QNexus, Barry Kirby, the Senior Vice President. From CSI, Gio Mastronardi, the Group President of Enterprise Banking and Equifax's Shelly Nishbach, who is the Vice President of Verification Services. Welcome, one and all, to Bankadelic, and here it is. I want to know, who was your first crush, and how did that work out? Martina, you're up.
2: Hi, Lou. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. My first crush, if I can go back that far, is probably going to have to be Rick Springfield. Wow. <laughs> Who cannot love being a Jesse's girl?
0: Yeah. This is a true Rick Springfield fact. He's like, I am not going to sell a record based on my good looks. I am going to put my dog on the album cover. And the record company fought and fought and fought with him and Rick won and the dog stayed. Only makes you love him more, right? Yep. Okay, Will, how about you?
1: Yeah, yeah, fun question. It has to go back to when I was in, somewhere around second or third grade. There was a girl who had a crush on in elementary school. I had more of a crush on her than she did me. And now she is a news anchor in a major city. So I think she probably has way more crushes at this point in her life than I do
0: always the way it works out right these people break your heart and from second grade it's all downhill from there for us and all uphill for them apparently so (laughs) okay barry how about you i would say my
3: first crush was my babysitter when i was probably 10 or 11 and that went Spiraling downhill when I realized that I was unable to take her on a date or buy her a fine glass of wine. (laughs) But I'm now happily married with children, so it all worked out well.
0: Yeah, you know, those 10 year olds, it's difficult mostly because, you know, how do you explain as a 10 year old to the shopkeeper, the difference between a Pinot Noir that is from the Rhone Valley versus one that is from Napa, right?
3: Well, I had that part down packed. It was just (laughs) the seeing over the counter. I didn't have that part down.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Geo, I was thinking about this. My first crush, I think, was a girl named Angie. I went to Catholic school, and so it was probably fifth or sixth grade. And we used to be the altar boys and altar girls for our weekly mass. And I remember trading with my best friend so I could be the altar boy at the same time that that Angie was. Didn't lead anywhere uh, other than us both putting on our altar gear together, but that was probably my first crush.
5: Okay,
0: and Shelly.
5: You know, I chuckled a little bit. Martina, you and I went the same direction on this one, and this dates me a little bit, but in my day, there wasn't social media, right? We bought magazines and articles, but I was enamored with Michael Jackson, so my room was covered wall-to-wall with pictures and articles of Michael Jackson.
0: Oh, wow. We all really knew what he meant when he was talking about who the thriller was, right?
5: I can still do that dance if I try hard enough. I think I could probably pull it off.
0: You know, Michael Jackson had the moonwalk. I had the (laughs) goonwalk. Anyway, on with the show. And as I said at the outset... A lot to love in banking in 2022. It's amazing. Even between this podcast and the Valentine's podcast we did in 2021, a lot has changed. Everywhere you look, it's, well, we are in record inflation. Yes, but we're also in record economic growth. Technology continues to explode. And if we're still on that pace of seven years of progress for every year of the pandemic, we might now be entering year 15 or 16. And just wondering with everything that's going on out there, what you all see as logical points for jumping in to say, we need to hold this up, we need to spotlight this. This is something that is big.
4: So I'd be happy to go first. This is Geo. The one thing I think that's been positive is we were already seeing a lot more digital adoption by banking users, but with the pandemic, they were forced to. And what we've seen is that we've got every type of user, every age group, everything has now turned to self-service as their primary tool. We're seeing not only a huge growth in the number of online banking users, but also the frequency with which people are accessing digital banking and the different ways they're accessing it. You're seeing them access it through mobile apps in the browsers and in every different way. And I think The pandemic obviously accelerated that. And so that's been very exciting to see a lot of the things that have been built and out there for years that have had somewhat of an adoption have really taken off. And I've actually had a number of bankers tell me they now realize their primary branch is their website, where, you know, even a lot of community banks used to always say, no, it's got to be about bringing people into our branch. Now they're realizing their website presence and what they can deliver there is probably the most important thing.
0: Absolutely. In fact, it's just remarkable that in such a challenging time, we're still seeing some forward progress and remarkable changes happening and remarkable things coming to light.
5: I was a banker for over 30 years. And so, looking at this last few years from a slightly different perspective, I think it's really exciting as I work with my banker clients. They're focused on how to rebuild. pre-pandemic stage and understanding they have to meet their client where their client is in ways they didn't before. So I agree with the last statement. And when I think about the focus on financial inclusion and really looking at ways to be leaders and solving for that issue, I don't recall a time where that conversation was as deep or as meaningful as it has been in the last few years. What's not to love about banking and what they do for the world at large and the economy at large but to think that the onus for really solving that issue is taken to heart i think that's an exciting thing for consumers and bankers lead the way to drive that great experience and provide instant gratification but looking at ways to do so much broader across the spectrum makes me proud of bankers today
3: yeah this is bearing. i think yeah the pandemic's been awful and it's been terrible but in hindsight it's actually shaken up a very traditional culture that was adverse to change. I mean, banking in general is about how do you de risk something in an effort to minimize loss and so forth. I mean, that is ultimately what bankers do. The change was never something that was run after or chased after, but uh, seeing post pandemic, what's happened is. You're seeing so many more financial institutions get creative with how they're serving their consumers and their members. It's actually quite refreshing to see them putting the energy back in to really evaluate, are we doing it the best way we can do it, which is going to benefit the consumer in the end.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, Barry. One of the things that I think has been really amazing is that you see more and more the need to connect things together, which is where fintechs like where I work come into play and that we can help ease that. And banks are completely more open to that in the financial services right now, which is really fun to see.
0: Now, the way the rubber hits the road with so much of this, and those were great answers, by the way, thanks so much, is how we do our work every day. And if it's okay to bring just a little bit of the personal into the professional, i'm wondering what each of you have learned over the last year or so about what your customers and clients really love and how you're trying to meet that
1: need in what you do i'll kick us off with this one you know it's funny one of the most interesting things for me to observe over the last two years is that really at the end of the day you know your clients are dealing with pretty much everything you're dealing with, with the pandemic and more in a lot of cases. And so sometimes just being there to listen and talk to them, not necessarily about work, but sometimes personal life as well, goes quite a long way with clients. They just want to be heard and listened to and sometimes have an outlet to talk. And so I found myself having quite a few of those conversations over the last two years than I would have expected. And because of those, I was able to also forge new friendships and see sides of people that I previously hadn't, which I found pretty rewarding at the end of the day.
5: This is Shelley. I piggyback on that. As I said earlier, I was a banker for a really long time. And what I loved about that was the ability to look across the desk, right? And see eyeball to eyeball and watch that client get their first home or create a solution so that their tomorrow was better than their yesterday. And in my current world, I work for Equifax and Specifically, tying my personal to it, I work for the work number. And so we integrate for our direct clients, the banks, the financial institutions, verified income and employment information into their processes. And so they're able to speed the yes. They're able to increase the yes to get those conversion rates up without taking on the risk as we discussed earlier. And so what I get really excited about is even though I don't get to see the eyeball-to-eyeball interaction anymore, I know that there are hundreds of millions of consumers that are being positively affected by what we're able to put into the ecosystem and help streamline getting to those yeses faster.
4: So Lou, this is Geo. I think what I've seen is that some of the things were kind of slow to roll out in the past, people have really started to embrace. And again, kind of going back to the pandemic environment, you know, you think about things like alerts and more self-service options like doing deposits out of your account and things like that have really started to take off. And now there's, you know, even debit card on off, things like that, where now consumers are coming into the bank saying, do you have this? And a lot of our banks have been very happy to say yes. And we've had it for years and been trying to get you to use it, but now you're utilizing it. I've also had a number of banks tell me that their customers are actually enjoying this buy appointment only version of going into the bank, especially ones that are in bigger cities. You know, they're saying things like, I hope you keep this permanently. I love setting an appointment for 10.30 and knowing I can come in and you guys are ready for me at 10.30, instead of fighting traffic to get here, waiting in line behind six other people. And so I've had a number of banks say, this is gonna become their new normal. And the other thing I think that they're seeing that now because their customers are really enjoying is more of that universal banker concept, instead of even when they do come to the branches, just having one person who can take care of everything instead of you know specific stations for things. So those are some of the things I think that we're seeing a lot of our customers, you know, the bank's customers, really embracing and loving over the last 18 months or so.
2: I would say, Lou, I am loving the fact that from a fintech's perspective, we're seeing financial institutions and banks and credit unions really embrace the fact that fintechs can help them do connections because they're all extremely wanting to connect all the different pieces within their ecosystem. And they are loving that there's people that can help them enable so that they can focus on some of those really challenging things that they have in their business and they can use fintechs and others to help them through that process.
0: Wonderful. It's so good to hear about the things that make the work worthwhile and that consumers and customers are finding as real points of frictionless engagement with people in the industry. Sometimes, however, love can be tough, right? And one of the things that I think about as we're heading into this new year is that we've still got some things that we need to tackle and face as an industry that maybe we're a little bit gun-shy or things haven't been moving, as fast as they could be. One example that I keep up with because I am very much in touch with the European banking scene is open banking. It's going like gangbusters over there. Things are really starting to happen. We haven't really taken advantage of that as much here as we could be. From your own points of view, what are some areas where we need to face facts and maybe push the needle forward a little further than we have been up to this point?
5: Lou, I think one area that is evolving, but I'm not quite sure we're there yet, is how people are changing the way that they work. And so with the gig economy growing and the great resignation, and I think there's north of 90 million consumers in the U.S. that have thin or no credit file at all, how lenders move beyond the traditional and expand how they look at the consumer in order to be able to provide more accessibility in non-traditional ways. I'm not sure that's been
1: effectively solved for yet. This is Will, just kind of piggybacking on that comment. You know, we, from my perspective, as someone who really is in the business of data and analytics, we have quite a few conversations with clients and prospective clients that there's no doubt that everybody is really interested in upping their data and analytics game. But I think, you know, in those same conversations, so many people are focused a lot on compliance and reporting. And I think people need to sort of change the way they look at it going forward. Really, the two go hand in hand. And if you get the data piece right, then, you know, you can really make your life a lot easier when it comes to compliance. So that's kind of what I'm hearing and thinking a lot about.
3: One thing I was going to add on to the comments in regards to, you know, the old school models today, I mean, the entire banking system, very honestly, is backwards. It's the only industry where consumers do heavy lifting via applying for credit to be told 70% of the time they can't buy a product that you're selling. I mean, in reality, that's the truth. I mean, when's the last time you had a contractor tell you, Lou, why don't you come to my house I'll take a look at your plans. Maybe I'll do the work for you, maybe I won't. And I'll decide that later once you've put in a bunch of heavy lifting. And beyond just credit scores in general, that's ultimately what the model is today for how consumers do banking. They're buying products via doing work and then being told yes or no based upon that lender.
0: Yeah. You know my contractor, don't you then? I aren't friends anymore (laughs) can see why
4: and Lou that's the challenge we face with a lot of our banks they've acknowledged that the website is their primary branch but then when you try to get them to do things like open business accounts online or take equity credit you know online and have that be the only interaction a lot of them they step back from that and say oh that's too risky or we need to be able to validate this and that and the other thing there are non-traditional vendors in the fintech space doing that and doing it well and taking it away. And so we've got these bankers who are still thinking in that old model. A lot of our bankers will take 25 minutes to open an account if you come in the branch, but they'll allow you to open an account in five minutes online. And they haven't really thought through why are they putting people through so much when they come in? So it's just really getting them to think differently and understand. And maybe some of it's even take on an acceptable level of risk that if you're going to get 100 accounts opened online, yes, you're going to have one that's fraud, but you're also going to have one that's fraud if somebody comes into your branch as well. But it just seems too far out there for them. So a lot of them acknowledge that the branch is their primary thing, but they're not willing to make that website full service yet.
0: Yeah, it seems to me, great point, by the way, that people in the industry not only need to educate themselves in terms of what technology does and can do, but also taking into consideration the risks in the physical world and the risks in the digital world and saying that there is no perfect place. I love that point that you just made about having concerns with an online opened account. Well, why wouldn't that happen in a branch, right?
2: Lou, from my perspective, the thing that I think probably needs to be a little more aggressively sought after is being able to change faster. It's as simple as that. Financial services doesn't really change fast enough for what you know our members and all the communities that we work in how people want to do banking or their financial services is evolving and changing and it's completely something that you have to be able to adapt to and be very fluid in how you're you know adjusting things to do that
0: absolutely it'll
2: be very interesting to see how the landscape
5: in this industry will change so finding the answer that you're looking for today Are those consumers, as their abilities evolve, will their behaviors evolve? Will they stay loyal to those that were using data, increasing the visibility in order to get to that answer when they needed it? Will they stay loyal or will they fall back into more traditional mechanisms where the landscape then isn't forced to change?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Also, the whole age of our client base is changing too, so that's going to also change that evolution
0: in a summary of what i'm hearing here one of the things to really consider is that financial services doesn't exist in a vacuum on the good side money and the movement of money and the use of credit all of those things they touch everything we do every dream every hope every transaction our movement in the world day to day but the flip side of that is that banking (laughs) does not exist in a vacuum which means that when people have fantastic experiences through e-commerce or they have the merchant that like the very cooperative contractor comes and really is eager to provide the service and help and be there they don't necessarily say, well, banking or financial services is different. I guess it should be different. No, they're thinking, why can't it be that easy? So clearly, there is a lot of power and possibility on the one hand, but the potential, as of yet, we could really stand to go far in realizing it. And hopefully 2022 is going to be a great year to do that.
5: I have two kids in their 20s. One's 28 and homeowner and has used the traditional answers to gaining her financial solutions. The younger one, 22, has never stepped in a bank and I can't imagine she ever will until she's forced to. And so it will be interesting to see how the mindset of today's up-and-comer will force what hasn't been forced yet.
4: Yeah, Shelley, that's an interesting point, because my kids are a little bit younger than yours, 22 and 19. But we never taught them how to write a check or even how to balance a checkbook because they frankly say, if I need to know what my balance is, I just log into my app because I do everything with my debit card. They've got a real-time bet. They don't have a need to reconcile anymore. It's reconciled for them. you know. So the only thing they do is, well, they're learning to make sure there isn't any fraud in there and check that. But the traditional ways of banking for this whole generation is not going to be the same and just like you said my son opened an account when he was 16 even when he went away to college and left town he just kept that account because he didn't see a need to have a local bank and so my guess is a bank with that bank until something compels him to move whether it's a business or something like that but he doesn't see a need to have a local bank because he doesn't use it that way
5: right my younger one when she went away to college after having a mom who was a banker for a really long time, within the first week of being gone, she texted and asked what her account number and routing number were. And, of course, the first ask is why. And she immediately, based on what she was learning from her peers, had already learned about Venmo, and that's how they moved their money around. Uh, <laughs> years of being taught by mom, that was erased in, you know, less than a week by what she was being taught by her peers. And so, I agree, there's a lot of evolution, yet, as should be the case, Right. To be had in this in this industry.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. We have four children, and the two older ones kind of followed suit to exactly how their parents bank, and the two younger ones definitely did not. So it's changing for sure.
1: Yeah. So this is Will. I don't have any kids at the time, so I can't really speak to the trends going on there. But it is interesting to hear some of my peers in the industry talk about some of the modern apps and the investing apps that they're on. And how I guess you're just seeing more and more of their income streams flow into those investing apps and not to what you might think of as like a traditional bank savings account or utilization of some of the traditional bank wealth services. So it'll be interesting to see where all that money ends up, how it's all distributed maybe 20, 30 years from now when those incremental monthly savings and contributions can add up to become sizable amounts, just how that affects certain areas within the bank. Think about the GameStop example.
5: Can't imagine having the tools, much less the exposure to be disruptive at that age as they were. That was a pretty remarkable story.
0: Yeah, of course, my son, who would go to GameStop all the time, said, Dad, how come you weren't in on that? <laughs> but he's the same kid, right, that has acorns on his phone. And he shows me the app the other day, and he's got like $700. I'm like what and i'm trying to think i'm 19 years old what do i know about investing in the stock market or moving money around to make that sort of thing possible and we are just entering an incredibly exciting world and one that is very different from the world that existed just a generation ago right i'm always fond of saying iPhones everybody's got an iPhone or has a smartphone an android and You only have to go back to 2007 and apps did not exist. Smartphones as we know them now did not exist. And the pace of change, if we go in the other direction, right? That was 15 years ago. What is the world going to be like 15 years from now? Pretty exciting thing to think about in the meantime everybody here on this panel you have been generous with your time and if i may say so i love that <laughs> loved having you all on thanks for being on this special bankadelic episode thanks
3: lou thank you, thank you. Yeah, glad to be here lou thank you
0: martina schubert is the cto of lender close will bryant the co-founder of quantalytics barry kirby senior vice president of qnexus Gio Mastronardi, the Group President, Enterprise Banking at CSI, and Shelly Nishbach, Vice President of Verification Services at Equifax. You can find them all when they're not hanging out at the Bankadelic Love Shack on LinkedIn. And an extra special thanks to our sponsors Lemonade LXP, Banker Hire, Quantic Bank, and the William Mills Agency. We love ya, we love ya.
1: Cadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.
0: Love ha Exciting and new.